Walking by faith and not by sight, it's a dangerous business. And uh, today, I want to share with you some about that. Throughout the entire Bible, there's a common thread running through it. In every book of the Bible, there's a theme that's narrated and illustrated. And that theme is, is God's plan of salvation for mankind. Our jail group uh, with the teenagers was talking about this uh, our last, last Tuesday. How God's salvation is articulated in the Bible as being saved from something and saved for something or saved to something. This plan of salvation is often expressed throughout, the, throughout God's Word as um, in terms of a, of a path or a way that leads from one place to another and traveling this path in a certain manner. In the Old Testament, it was uh, ref- is referred to as God's way. Verses such as, as for God, His way is perfect. Or, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. For those who sought God, He told them that He would instruct them and teach them in the way they should go. In contrast to the way of man or the way of the fool. Uh, When the prophets began speaking of God's salvation, they spoke of a road called the way of holiness. And it would be for those who walk in that way, with a capital W. God told His people, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. John the Baptist came to prepare the way. And then when Jesus came and spoke of God's salvation, He said that He was the gate to enter for salvation and that He was the way. After Jesus was crucified and resurrected, those who believed in the life and the message of Jesus were said to have belonged to the way. After persecuting and jailing people of the way, the Apostle Paul began to speak of the kingdom of God to persuade people. But many would not believe And the Scriptures say that they publicly slandered the way. In his last days, the Apostle Paul testified before officials and kings and Caesar, saying that he was a follower of the way. Are you a follower of the way? How does a person follow the way? Well, here are some things that I want to share with you that we can know from the Scriptures about the way. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, is, is metaphorically used to describe a manner of life. In the Old Testament prophets and in the Gospels, it's a description of God's plan of salvation. In Acts, the record of the beginning of the church, in Acts, it's, it's used to describe Christianity as a whole, the way. The way is all these things. It's a manner of life. The life of one who walks in the path of God's salvation. And it describes Christ's followers. Christ's followers who are being saved from something and then moving towards what they're saved for or saved to. The people who walk this path are only able to get on this path and only able to travel by this path by one thing. It's faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 The people who are on this path are travelers. Traveling by faith in Jesus Christ. 
What is it like to travel by faith and not by sight? What's it like? The whole Bible gives us stories of people who traveled by faith on this path called the way. When a person, first of all, when a person travels by faith to follow the way, they leave many things behind them. Many things behind them that they can't take with them. When you think about the journey of faith in Jesus, there are quite a few things that you leave behind. Good travelers pack light. And as Christ followers, we need to pack light. Let me tell you some of the examples that we have of this. Abraham left behind his house and the familiar people and land of, of the land of Ur and Chaldea to go to a promised land he had never seen. Moses left behind his royal privileges to follow God's way. David, David had to leave behind his armor, had to leave behind his sword, leave behind a whole army to walk down into a valley alone, all by himself, to face a giant. Elijah, in following the Lord, didn't even pack food or water for the journey, but was later fed by ravens, bread, and drank from a brook that God directed him to. Naaman, the mighty army commander, he had to leave behind his pride to dip himself in the water seven times to be cleansed of his leprosy. Some of the disciples left behind their family businesses to follow Jesus. Now I know that, that we can speak pretty matter-of-fact about all these stories of these people because we know the end of the story. We get to read it. It's right there. But they didn't get to. They didn't see the end of the story. Imagine the conversation if you were John or Peter and you were going back home to tell your wife about following Jesus. Hey, honey, you want, you want some, you're home early. You want some lunch? Uh, no, I already ate. Oh, are you taking a break from work? Um, uh, kind of. Well, uh, what are you home for? Your dad didn't fire you, did he? No, um, actually, I, I quit. Well, it's about time. I always thought you should start your own fishing business. Well, um, actually, I'm, I'm uh, quitting the family business uh, for a new business. Oh, well, tell me, wise guy. Why don't you just come out with it? Okay, well, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus and become a fisher of men. <laughs> You're what? Well, where are you going? Uh, I don't know. Well, how long are you going to be gone? Uh, I don't know. Can you imagine having a conversation like that? Some people might think you're crazy. I think there were a few people that thought those people that were following Jesus were just a little bit crazy. And I guess if we're walking in the way, walking by faith, there's probably still some people today that think we're just as crazy. When a person travels by faith to follow the way of Jesus, the first step of faith is committal. It's all or nothing. When, when Noah built an ark, he, he didn't approach it as, well, I think I'll give ark building a try. When Abraham left to go to another land, he didn't partially leave. When the Red Sea parted, and Moses and the Israelites, they didn't kind of 
walk through halfway. When Paul was confronted by Jesus and told to repent and to follow him, Paul didn't say, yeah, I think I'll try Jesus now. When you step into the way of the Lord, it's not something you can do halfway or kind of try out. The first step of faith is committal. The first step of faith is identifying with Jesus in His death and His resurrection. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I no longer live. Life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Your first step is committing a life exchange with Him, with Jesus to die with Him and to live with Him. You can't try dying. You can't try resurrecting. It's all or nothing. You do it or you don't. You can't halfway die. In the same way, Jesus is saying the exact same thing. No turning back. Follow me. It's a choice. And I'm afraid for those of us who follow Christ, you know, there's, there's that one time life exchange that happens. And, and I believe that there's no turning back. But I, I want to tell you that, that as the journey goes on, you keep having those choices to continue to walk by faith or to choose to go back living by sight. When a person travels by faith and not by sight in Jesus They've begun a story that only describes the beginning and the very end. You see, the beginning of the story is, is like this. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And the very end of the story is Jesus looking us in the face and saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Everything in between there, everything between that is a mysterious step-by-step, day-by-day journey following the directives of Jesus. People who follow the way keep the end in mind and they don't think about turning back. Hebrews 11 describes people like this who see the end off in the distance and they have accepted the fact that they are transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back any time they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Have you guys accepted the fact that you are a transient person in this world? A pilgrim? A traveler? Who isn't home yet? Or are you still trying to make your home here? As a traveler on the way... As a traveler on the way, you're like a ship that is on the high open seas, not a ship sitting in the harbor. A ship in the harbor is safe, but if it never leaves the harbor, it's not doing what it's made for. Walking by faith and not by sight is leaving the harbor. You've got to get out onto the sea. I think sometimes our desire for safety and security, which are good things, have been warped into a desire for comfort and convenience. So many people never choose to follow Jesus because there are too many unknowns between the beginning and the end. They're scared because they can't see. 
there's too much risk. So they take no risk at all and stay safe in the harbor and never set sail. But when a person does choose to travel by faith and not by sight along the way of the Lord, they're transformed in the journey. They're transformed. Transformation or change isn't very comfortable, nor is it convenient. God, but God does amazing shaping of the people that walk by faith. I shared with you earlier that with salvation, we are saved from something and being saved for something. Saved from something and saved for something or to something. In the journey between there and, and, and to the thing that we're moving towards, in that journey, you're being shaped for what God has in mind. Some of that shaping is towards things that God desires for you to be a part of here on earth. But ultimately, He is shaping you into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is His ultimate goal, His ultimate plan, and what He is doing with you. Most every instance for people of the way, the transformation of God does is pushing, is through pushing them out of the normal or pushing them out from the prevailing social structures of life, humbling them, disorienting them, and subjecting them to experiences that are on the edge. May not be comfortable, may not be convenient. Many times those people following the way of the Lord found themselves in an in-between state or sometimes even in significant danger. Look at some of the change and transformations that happen on the journey for the people in the Bible. Think of Joseph. He was pushed out by his family, sold into slavery by his brothers, and then later thrown into prison before God and put him in his place, second in command to Pharaoh. But he was changed. Transformation took place in Joseph. Moses is pushed away from his own people as a leader and goes on the run in the desert where after 40 years of shepherding sheep in a desert, God determines that he is ready to lead and calls him from the burning bush. Transformation happened in Moses' life. David is a shepherd boy with faith to kill a giant, but God pushes him out from his family and regular society on the run from King Saul. A ragtag band of men begin to follow him in the desert, moving from cave to cave and hiding in places for nearly 10 years. Then God, God saw David had become a shepherd of people and led him to take his role as king of Israel. Was that comfortable? Was that convenient? No, but he was changed. Transformation. The people of Israel struggled for nearly 400 years with idol worship. And it wasn't until God sent Babylon and the Babylonians to punish them and take them into exile. And then, then they finally turned to God but their journey lasted for 70 years. But when the Israelites returned home, you know what? They were faithful to God and never struggled with idol worship again. They were transformed. The disciples were fickle, scared, and uneducated men who followed Jesus and were constantly with them face to face for three years, facing the same dangers and, and living without just the way Jesus did. And at the end of that time, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they became solid. They became courageous and wise men who the Lord used to change the course of history. The Apostle Paul, after his encounter with Jesus, first went to preaching right away. But he stirred up so much trouble with his, his bristly preaching that he was, everybody wanted to kill him. And so the, the believers were forced to send him away and sneak him away. And they sent him off to Tarsus. And, the, and after he did that, later he went into the Arabian desert for several years where the Lord shaped him until he was ready to be his ambassador to the world. 
And these followers of the way of Jesus changed the world around them because they themselves were changed on the inside. John, nicknamed the Son of Thunder, became known as the Apostle of Love. Peter, who had his prejudices against those who weren't Jews, was confronted and began sharing the gospel with non-Jews. Paul, who was sometimes unforgiving and didn't give people second chances, uh, like, like one of his team members, Mark, Later, when Paul was in prison, he gave Mark a second chance. In fact, even committed him as someone that was worthy of following their example. The way of the Lord is a transformational journey. And it is a manner of life. It is moving out of safety. Walk by faith, not by sight. When you look at the stories of our world, mankind recognizes that there is something in us. That, that knows that this sort of journey is true, right, and necessary. Look in all our stories, whether it be ancient stories or the new stories, and if you look at some of the new stories today, like the Fellowship of the Ring, it's, it's really a group of races that have no fellowship, but actually find real fellowship only as they are pushed out to undergo struggle and hardship in a journey. In the Matrix, Neo can only discover reality. He can only discover the truth when he commits to taking a dangerous journey down the rabbit hole. In the animated movie, Nemo, for, uh, with the little fishy and the kids, uh, Nemo's father is transformed when he sets out from his safe environment of the reef and he goes out into the open sea to find his son. And what Nemo's father rescues him from is actually an aquarium. For many people in the world, and for many who are churchgoers, they also need to be rescued from an artificial world, like an aquarium. Like the fish in an aquarium, they've made a life in a world that is sanitized from any kind of danger, any kind of germs, and keeps a perfect pH balance, and is free from all predators. But while living in their aquariums of comfort and convenience, they become weak and soft. And if, and if they were ever pulled out of that aquarium and thrown into the open sea, they would find it very hard to survive. Very hard to survive. That's why many churches are dying today. And the faith of young people is dying. Yet this is exactly what needs to happen. We need to be thrown back into the open sea. Out of our artificial environments. Out of our sadly normal social structures. We need to face new encounters and hardships. That, so that we can grow. And so that we can change. And allow God to shape us. And it's not going to happen in our little protective Christian ghettos where we're all alike and all the same. We've got to get out. The salt has got to get out there. The light's got to get out into the darkness. Or else there will never be any change. You know, some cultures still know that this sort of thing shouldn't remain something that's just told in stories. That it's actually to be lived. In some of the native people groups in Africa, the young boys stay in the women's quarters separate from the men until they're 13. And at that point, the male elders of the tribe lead the boys outside the village walls and out into the wilderness and circumcise them and lead them to fend for themselves, sometimes for a period of up to six months. They just leave them. Once a, sometimes once a month, the elders, they come back and they, they, they debrief with the kids and they mentor them. But on a whole... These 13-year-olds have to find both the inner and outer resources to cope with the ordeal on their own. They face great dangers from the wild animals and in finding resources to act, just live. What normally happens with these boys is, is they scatter. They scatter out on their own 
but then they find they can't make it on their own. And they end up coming back together to depend and rely on one another. And if the boys emerge from these experiences, some don't, they're reintroduced to the tribe as men. And they're given the full status of manhood. And they re-enter the community. And they share all their stories of their experience of survival. And as they share their stories, they revitalize the whole community. But they had to go on the journey first. They had to be pushed out of the normal structure of life. Folks, for the church, we have unknowingly kept ourselves weak by refusing to go outside the village walls and into the bush. Or by refusing to go outside the church walls into the world. We have harmed ourselves and the coming generations by not letting ourselves be tested. We instead have created an artificial environment, an aquarium where everything is perfect and there is no danger. And we've become soft. We haven't been willing to go out onto the open seas. Instead, we've stayed in the harbor where we think it's safe. The path for the journey, the way, lies right before us at our doors. But we keep the doors closed and hide away in the comfort of our little hobbit holes. And we need to get out. We need to encounter the world, endure the hardships, the trials, and the tests. If we don't, we will die. To those of us who have ears, I hope you hear. I hope we hear. A man left all he had to go and be a missionary to a people deep in the heart of the jungle. He traveled by plane, then by jeep, until the jeep could go no further. His driver left him with a small, small boy that just appeared out of, the, out of the jungle to guide him to his final destination in the heart of it. The man began to follow this little boy through the dense jungle, and, and the man began to worry because he could see no path that this boy was following through the jungle. And, and the landscape, it looked all the same. So how is the boy finding his way without any landmarks, without any map to guide him? He looked up and he couldn't see through the dense canopy of the forest. And he began to wonder how the boy knew what direction he was even going. He, he, didn't even have a, he couldn't see the sun. He didn't even have a compass to tell him which was north or south. He stopped the boy finally and he asked him if he was sure of where he was going. And the boy said confidently, Yes. The man, man objected and, and he said, but you have no map. You have no compass and there's no path to follow. And the boy turned to the man and he said, sir, I am your map. I am your compass. I am your path. Follow me. Jesus speaks the same thing to us today. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he says, follow me. Folks, we are to be people of the way. It's time for us to hit the road again. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. And that little clip with Neo. You know what Neo means? It means new. If we want to be the new man or the new woman in Christ... We got a choice before us. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me, I have decided to follow Jesus. You have a choice. That little red 
I can Mike Bean. That represents following Jesus, choosing him to walk in the way of Jesus. That little blue Ike and Mike represents, no, I'm just going to go back to bed, forget what I heard, wake up, and believe whatever I want to believe. I'm telling you folks, we are Christ followers. If we're not following Jesus, then I don't know what we are. Not Christians. There's a choice before us today. I got, the guys are going to come up here. They're going to sing. It's going to be our chance to respond to the Lord and worship. But in this worship time, I really want you to think about your choice to walk in the way, to walk by faith. Some of you just need to get on the path. You haven't even started the journey. And if that's the case... I'd really like to talk to you today to help you in starting that journey. I, I, you, you're the one who's going to have to determine that. You and the Lord. If He's put faith in your heart. But there's a point where you have to say, yes, I am going to follow you, Jesus. And in the next few moments, this is your chance to say to Him from your heart, this church, we're here to help people on this path, on the way of Jesus. And so I, I would love to know about this. Sherry and uh, Mary are here, and Jason are going to be available to, to talk with you, to pray with you. Maybe you're somebody who's been on the way, but you've hopped off. You've decided to start walking by sight because it just seemed too hard. I just want to tell you, there are dangers. There are hardships. There are trials in walking by faith. Don't be surprised. It's part of the journey. It's part of what shapes you what makes you don't give up get back on the path start following him and maybe taking that little red Ike and Mike is, is your symbol of saying yes I'm back walking in the faith and for those who have been walking faithfully in the way I just want to say don't give up don't give up keep walking by faith because you will be you will be rewarded one day one day you will see him face to face and your faith will become sight. It is true. And I believe it. And I know you do too. I know that some of us might be thinking, my life is such a screwed up life. Why would the Lord even want it? Some of you might be thinking, I, I want to get on that, the way, the way of salvation. I want to follow the path of Jesus. I want to walk in His way. But you're thinking, I got so many obstacles blocked in the way. I don't know how to get through. I just want to share with you something here. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of His sacrifice acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is His body. The way is clear. There's nothing to hold you back. He wants you the way you are, even if your life is screwed up, because He can straighten it all out on the way. 
you don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God. That's not the, that's the whole reason he died on the cross, is to take care of us and our sins and our messed up lives. The way has been cleared. 